This the remix. Broken up by Tames. Vito had made that play defensively and almost created an offensive chance. Lightning shot, they score. Nico Rantanen. One nothing Colorado. Five minutes into the first period. Landis Gog in the space for Gerard. Quickly over for Kale McCarr holding. Backdoor Landis Gog. He shoots and scores. Oh, captain, my captain. And oh, my goodness gracious. What passing by the Avalanche. He's taking it into his own hands, just like Nachushkin. Over for Sean. He shoots and scores. Leave the puck. Take the cannoli. Sod has goals in four straight games. And the Avalanche have a 3 nothing lead here in game one. Back to the point, Graves. Over for McKinnon. Walks in the far circle. Let's it go. He scores! What a shot! The Mac attack is back, Jack! And the Vegas Golden Knights are drinking from a fountain that's pouring like an avalanche that's coming down the mountain. It's 4-0 Colorado, not even five minutes into period two. Here the left side with Don score. The car out high. Minute on the power play. To the right, Ranton and shooting score! Tipped in at the back door. Gabriel Landeskog, power play goal. 5-0 Colorado with 5.37 to go here in the second period. Clips it by the glove of Leonard. Second of the day for Nathan McKinnon. 6-1 Colorado. Wild with a check on Burakovsky. Now the puck in the middle, they score! Kel McCarr rips it home, top right corner. Four-point day for Kel McCarr. 7-1 Colorado with 4-11 to go in the third. It's a power play goal. Three seconds, two seconds, one second. Sound the horn! The Avalanche win in decisive fashion. In a game that suits the Wild West. Shove it in. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. So the Golden Knights, uh, their depth is being tested. Their organizational depth, not just the actual NHL team. Because with Ryan Reeves suspended and with Matthias Janmark likely to miss games in this series, Keegan Kolasar skating on the fourth line and Dylan Sakura is skating on the third line with this team. Dylan Sakura has he's actually played 53 games in the NHL. Three goals, 13 assists. He played six this year for Vegas and actually scored two of his three goals this season. But this is like, you talk about depth on a team, and this is like truly a test of organizational depth. Because again, we're talking about a guy named Dylan Sakura stepping in here because Tomas Nosek is hurt. Even like Peyton Krebs, who would probably be an option here. He is hurt as well. And you already have Patrick Brown in the lineup. So you're looking at guys like, if I told you before the season started that like, Patrick Brown and Dylan Sakura and Keegan Colasar were going to be playing minutes in NHL playoff games against maybe the best team in the league. You wouldn't think the season had gone very well for the Golden Knights. No, I would have thought the Kings finished higher than them. So, uh, they, which they did not. Uh, nah, it's look, it's not a good situation. It wouldn't be a good situation if you had everybody, but it'd be a little better one. I mean, I think lost in all this that they're really missing McNabb. Um, you know, the bottom six is what it is. I, I still think you hope that Tuck can get loose and, 
you know, Nicholas Waugh has, you know, um, you know, he's, he's had some moments. I mean, I don't know if you're getting anything from that fourth line, but against this team, I don't know what you'd get from the fourth line. So I think it's more, you know, can Tuck and Waugh do something on the third line to, you know, you know, we've seen Tuck, Tuck's very good. Um, and maybe, like I said, he gets out a few times and, you know, with his speed, he can make something happen. But your, your question to Ben was the best question. If Mark Stone is not Mark Stone, they don't have a chance here. Mark Stone has – he's the captain. He's the best player. He's got to start playing like it. So I, the bottom six I don't think was ever going to be a huge advantage against Colorado. You have to score as the top six. They, they've got – those guys got to get going or they're not going to win. I, I know in those eight games they kind of controlled McKinnon and everything. But the way McKinnon's playing right now and the way those guys are playing in the playoffs, they have taken it to a completely different level here. So I'm more you know interested to see how those top six respond tonight. And if you get anything from the bottom six, you know, you clap and say, man, that's great. You got something from them. Yeah. So like Jan, Mark, Waugh and Tuck in that first game were terrible. Those three, when they were on the ice together at five on five, the Golden Knights had one shot on goal. Their expected goals was 31% in that game. So, Which is amazing because usually Tuck will right. unleash a few. He, you know, I don't know if he did as a score every game, but at least you see him with his speed unleashing a few shots. So, like, expectation-wise, the third line, if it's Dylan Sakura, Nick Waugh, and Alex Tuck, I think you're just hoping they kind of play it even with the Avalanche mm-hmm. when they're on the ice that they you're not really expecting them to score. Maybe Alex Tuck makes a great play, but you're really just hoping, hey, don't lose the game when you three are on the ice. And that takes you back to the Mark Stone and the William Carlson line. Those two lines have to score for the Golden Knights. Like they have to get production from those two lines because the fourth line is they've never asked the fourth line to produce any offense. And right now the third line doesn't look like it's got a great shot to produce much offense either. So no. those guys have to score. Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, William Carlson, Jonathan Marshall, those are the guys that have to score for this team because the bottom six is through injury and through, you know, a little bit of poor roster construction. You're not getting much from them. You're probably not getting anything. You're not getting the Matias Janmark hat trick from somebody else. Like Nick Waugh's not scoring three for you against the Avalanche. So you have to get the Mark Stone goals. You have to get the Max yeah. Pacioretty goals for them to have any chance. Yeah, and you get to get in the power play and make something happen. I mean, you gotta you, you gotta score in your special teams, or you know maybe they they've done well in the past, uh, shorthanded, you know, creating something. I mean, uh, and getting out, you know, the Carlson Smith, they've done that in the past. They've got to get one, maybe one of those. And you know, I don't think with this bottom six, they're gonna be able to play straight up and win the game here. I mean, you know, Ben brought out Dave's numbers: twelve straight, nineteen zero and one, which is amazing. I know, you know, they play well, obviously at home and in altitude and all that, but. That's still pretty incredible in hockey to be 19-0-1 and the only losses to the Golden Knights. Um, look, I mean, I just, you know, the other thing is on this, and I know you have it on the rundown, we talked about this yesterday at practice, uh, Cody Glass. I mean, where's Cody Glass? Is this absolutely them saying, sending the message that, they, not that they're moving on totally from him, but they just don't believe he's ready at all at this level? It has to be. I mean, we I mean, again. Well, where is this guy? We're talking about Patrick Brown, Keegan yeah. Colasar, Dylan Secura. All of those players, the Golden Knights are saying right now, they give them a better chance to win a playoff game than Cody Glass. There's no yeah. salary cap excuse to hide behind like they did towards the end of the regular season. There's nothing. We're talking about Patrick Brown, Keegan Colasar, Dylan Secura. 
Those yeah. are the guys that they're choosing over Cody Glass. It's not, hey, there's not really room for a center because Carlson and Stevenson are good and Nick Waz played really well. No, right, it's right. Patrick Brown, Keegan Colasar, right. and Dylan Secura. Give them they're a better chance They're telling you they're better win. than Glass. Yeah. and Which is really, I, I'm not to say disturbing. I don't think it matters to you or I either way, but it's really for the glass situation for where he was picked and what they thought of him when they picked him as their first pick six overall, it's a little disturbing on, on his end. I mean, I, you know, where is he in his development? If in fact this, it has come to this and he's not even, you know, on the bumper cars yesterday. Yeah. Because maybe he was on the bumper cars. I don't know. He wasn't on the ice. Here's the easy comparison to make for you. Kale McCarr was drafted in the same draft as Cody glass. Wow. I mean, like it's like we're talking about one of the reasons the Colorado Avalanche are probably going to win this series and are the favorites to win the Stanley Cup was drafted. What? I think two picks before Cody Glass in the 2017 draft. One of them is playing how whatever, 20 something minutes a night. One of them is one of the best players in this series. One of them is getting picked or picked behind Patrick Brown, Keegan Colasar and Dylan Secure. Like this is a former top 10 pick who is behind like three like they're like borderline NHL players, like AHL, NHL, and we'd call them quadruple A players if it was baseball, right? That's what Keegan Colasar, Patrick Brown, and Dylan Secura are. Yeah. And he should be much further along. And Kale McCarr is amazing. Yeah. So you're you're right. I mean, Kale McCarr is just a generational player, but I wouldn't compare him. Obviously, different positions and all that. So I'm not going to compare him talent wise, but he should be much further along than what he is. Yeah. Obviously. When do we just start saying that he's a bust? Now you can say it now. Okay, no, he should, like, he should yeah, be playing in the overall, NHL. He's a six overall pick. He should be playing yeah. in the NHL right now. We're like yeah. we're we're what four years, three years fully removed from him being drafted. He should be in the NHL as a former top ten pick, and he's not. And I could buy the argument if the Golden Knights were fully healthy that okay, they have a good roster. Like there's not room for him because Jan Mark Wah and Tuck is a good third line. But they're not fully healthy. They're not even close to He's fully healthy. He's just not good enough. Yeah. He, there's the, and the team is telling you that Patrick Brown, Keegan Colasar, and Dylan Secura are more valuable to their chances to win. He's not. And you don't, I mean, I don't know what you do with him. You're not giving up on him. He's going to have a chance next year. But, like, if he's not, if he doesn't play, like. Do you think like, we could trade him for Tomas Tatar? <laughs> if he doesn't, he got healthy scratch, too, in the playoffs. If, if, uh, if oh. Cody Glass doesn't play. 40-something NHL games next year. I mean, his NHL career is over in Vegas at least. Like, I mean, I don't know what you're doing with him after that. I agree. I mean, what would it was it would be in his uh, would he be in his second contract at that point? Uh, not quite, but I mean, if you're talking about 4 years in to after being drafted, if he can't make it into the lineup next year after what we're now seeing right now in the play, like I guess there's a chance somebody else gets hurt and eventually they go to Cody Glass and he plays well in the playoffs. But, like, we're looking at them never playing Cody Glass the rest of this playoffs well, unless there's significant injuries. And, again, Dylan Secura is ahead of him on the depth chart. And we've talked about this in the past where uh, there came a time not so long ago, we talk about Ruggs being untouchable, that they sort of treated yeah. him like that. They sort of, you know, he his name was always the one brought up in potential trades, and the word we got back, you know, through the media, where I was like, oh, you know, you're not, you're not touching him. Well, 
what would be the leverage now? I mean, I don't know. I don't even know what you'd get for him now. Well, the reports were the the Golden Knights wanted to trade for Eric Carlson when he was with Ottawa. That was that was it. And glad they would not include Glass. They wanted the Senators wanted Glass, right, and right. the Golden Knights said no. Now that probably right. worked out because the Golden Knights ended up getting Mark Stone eventually, and Mark Stone has been better than Eric Carlson since they were both traded away. A so that bit. that worked out for the Golden Knights, but. He was untouchable in a sense that they wouldn't were not going to give him up for Eric Carlson. And you look back on that now and you say, well, they misevaluated what Cody Glass was going to be. Yeah. What is no, it? I mean, look, I think they hope he's good next year, but you're right. You're going into what would be, you know, fourth or fifth year, and you're not at least like a bot, you know, the third line center. Um, that's you're looking back at that pick and questioning it. Yeah, I mean Nick Nick Waugh has been good since they acquired Nick Waugh, but there's no reason that Nick Waugh should be the reason Cody Glass isn't a third line center. And right. that's been clear since the season that Nick Waugh was their best option at third line center. But now we're talking about it's not even Nick Waugh who's played well. It's the guys named Patrick Brown, Keegan Colasar, and Dylan Secura that they're choosing over him, which is it's unbelievable to think that. It's unbelievable to think that those are the names they would think are more valuable than Cody Glass. Yeah. What does it say that they it basically it seemed like they wanted Peyton Krebs on this playoff roster? Yeah. They, they he, were... he basically like if he was if he didn't get severely hurt, he might be getting minutes. The Golden Knights chose to play without a full lineup for three games because they wanted to see Peyton Krebs. Like, they could have played with a full lineup, but it couldn't have been Peyton Krebs. It would have been two other players. But they chose to play without a full lineup for, like, three games in the regular season because they wanted to see Peyton Krebs. They absolutely have Peyton Krebs ahead of Cody Glass because, I mean, Jesus, they have Dylan Secura ahead of Cody Glass. So, it's yeah, it's absolutely... Like, they, they have seemingly moved on from Cody Glass. They haven't traded him away. He's still probably going to have a shot to make the roster next year. But as an organization, it sure looks like they have moved on from Cody Glass. All right, coming up next, Sam and Ash join the show. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff. Call the judge and get some fudge. Call the judge and get some fudge? On ESPN Las Vegas. I'm back, baby. On Twitter at SamAndAshLaw, SamAndAshLaw.com, 702-820-1234. Got to mute myself here in Denver. I am, I am, I, I, I will, I do want you guys to realize there's three people here from the Review Journal. They have allowed me to drive all week. So, uh, uh oh, we're still yeah. good. Yeah, you guys, good. Are, are they yeah, all wait, alive? You aren't going to believe this. Awesome. There are three of them and Ed is driving. I don't yeah. know what they're doing. <laughs> do you guys have a satellite office in Denver or does like, it, like, how did, how right. would that work? How would we get you guys out there to help him? They, it was raining the first two days. They were a little worried. Now it's sunny and beautiful, so they're okay. We'll be fine going to morning skate. It's Sam and Nash, best personal injury attorneys in town, joining us for their weekly spot Wednesday. Okay, now I want to start actually with some Golden Knights. Uh, boy, they better play better tonight or it's going to be too old quickly. But um, this always interests me when stuff happens within the field of play and i think people assume because they're professional athletes and stuff happens that they could never either be sued or criminal charges which i don't think is true but let's take the ryan reeves situation against ryan graves in which reeves was suspended for for two games he takes them down i know you guys watched it takes them down on the ice kind of puts his force on his head to keep him down there and actually pulled some of his hair out now in the nhl's world he got two games 
I want to ask you guys this, though, and we've seen it from other instances. Could Reeves potentially, and when these things happen, be uh, on the hook for either criminal charges or assault charges? Like, how does it work? Because I think people just assume, oh, they're athletes. That just happens. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting question. Um, we see this a lot, not just in the NHL, but the NFL all over. But um, there's actually a famous case on this in the NHL. It's the Todd Bertuzzi versus Steve Moore fight that happened back in mm -hmm. the early 2000s. And mm -hmm. it resulted in Bertuzzi, you know, Moore had to be taken off the ice on a stretcher. And it was similar, you know, his head was thrown down to the ice and um, he received a concussion, significant career ending injuries. It resulted in criminal charges being pushed against Todd Bertuzzi and then a lawsuit from Steve Moore against him for his injuries, lost future wages. And ultimately it got very dirty, very messy because Todd Bertuzzi basically said his coach told him to do it. So there was, you know, he was just following orders. That's a great legal defense, <laughs> popular in Nuremberg and elsewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, and then they, uh, right. there ended up being a settlement to compensate Steve Moore for his injuries, his damages, his losses. So absolutely, if you go above and beyond with the standard, um, uh, what the rules of play and what's acceptable, you know, the NHL has a little different than NBA and uh, NFL. So if you exceed it, then yeah, you, you're likely to face extreme consequences. Is pulling someone's hair out exceeding the uh, expectation there? Oh, yes. Well, it's just never. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. You you show up to a hockey game with a mullet. Um, and now I'm saying this guy had a mullet. But I mean, the, this the fight fights happen. This it just matters the extent to which, you know, what what kind of damage is caused in the fight. Right. I mean, it, that's what happened in that case. I mean, it mattered that that there was the guy was had basically ended his career and, and he has had certain wage earning potential. And that becomes a, a huge claim. So okay. I think that'd be fascinating to go to court on that and be on that jury because I would I would assume and correct me if I'm wrong Guilty. would the argument on the other side be that this is different than if Sam pulls someone's hair in public and gets in a fight wouldn't that be the argument from the attorney on that side well you're in a different arena here these things happen in the you know the standard of play yeah actually entirely you know the NHL is, has its known etiquette rules you know that underlie these fights where you know they you kind of have to have an unwritten agreement that both people want to fight and you can't be an instigator so it would be didn't you add didn't you watching this game though they instantly came out there and were so physical that this was a very physical game from the start um and very aggressive i that's so right from the first period it, i they were out there getting both well i would say yeah, I mean, the Avalanche certainly were, were being very aggressive. And so it's, it's, it kind of didn't surprise me that it escalated into, into a fight, um, a, a bad fight. But in part, too, was, was a reaction to, to physicality that had happened earlier in the game. And well, I think just getting your butt kicked is also <laughs> a reason to start swinging. Um, you know, you know, you got nothing else to lose at that point. But, I mean, it's... There's a lot of risks with fights. You know, we know head injuries and the, the long-term consequences. But who, really, do any of you guys want to watch the NHL with no fights? Really? Who wants to watch that? Do you? I remember, wasn't it the, it was the Ducks when Disney owned them. They were, they were trying to end fighting. Do you remember that? It was Disney. It was a Disney thing and Disney didn't uh, want fighting on the ice. And it's like, no, that's not hockey. 
Uh, if you've seen the Ducks lately, maybe they need to fight a little more because they're absolutely <laughs> brutal. Maybe that's what happened to them. Um, okay, so Jared and I were talking about this before uh, you guys came on, and we both said if we each hit each other with a baseball bat, we'd be in trouble. Uh, but this situation that happened I would at be the gas in station, jail. Yes, we're all we're all hell broke loose apparently, uh, and, and and people at a gas station here in Vegas. A man was hit in the head with a baseball bat during an altercation. He tried to take off. Well, by the time the police got there, the guy with the bat was smart enough to get the hell out of there. But the guy who got hit gets in his car. I believe he then just hit someone, which kind of makes sense because he was probably delirious. When this is all sorted out and cops arrive on the scene and the guy with the bat is gone and the guy who got hit has hit somebody, like how quickly do they walk in and say, pull the videotape? We got to see what the heck happened here before, you know, as they interview people and you probably get like 10 different versions. Well, I mean, you're they I would the cops are likely going to take everyone's statement first and then okay. they're going to go inside to the person that's working inside and say, I need the films. And then they'll they'll preserve those and, and review them and see what matches with the various stories they have. And. Um, that's one of the hard parts of what Sam and I have to do is you have to make sure that video evidence is, is preserved. And then that video is going to get uploaded to the internet where we're all going to watch it and, uh, and pop some popcorn. No, here's, here's your listeners. This is so important. Do not, if you're going to get into a fight with somebody, you know, whatever, fight somebody. But the minute you pull out a baseball bat, a golf club, anything, anything of that type, all of a sudden you can a fight an assault can very quickly turn into an attempted murder charge because you're using a potentially something that can be classified as a lethal weapon and so don't go for the bat don't be a batman just just <laughs> be a robin be, yeah, be a fist man not a batman that's the rule of thumb because you can suddenly go from a, a charge that you're going to walk out of court on probably if you don't really hurt the other person to having a charge where you can end up serving real jail time. And, and there's also kind of a crazy thing. You technically can't just drive around with a bat in the backseat of your car. I, I had a good friend of mine get pulled over once uh, by Newport Beach PD and she had a baseball bat because her brother was playing college baseball and the cop thought she was just this blonde on a rampage and it was it was ashley you know she's calling it her friend wow. but it was quote, newport quote, beach and yeah. blonde that hits a little home to you i yeah. think as long as you avoid, <laughs> i felt i felt attacked come on as long as you're profiling that's profiling i know yeah that is profiling as long as you didn't hit any mailboxes that's not federal <laughs> it, that's the truth jared jared have you learned that the hard way <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's not relitigate my past <laughs> but that sam monitoring ash. bracelet looks great on your ankle <laughs> sam and ash here with us uh finally sam i want to you tweeted this this morning and i'm interested in this because uh I fly southwest way too much in a given year. I have not seen this happen. I have seen some complete lunatics uh, flying in terms of getting upset. And we always, you know, you always hear about the people in the planes. They get upset about things, turn off your phone, all that stuff. But an unruly southwest passenger, you tweeted this story, uh, was inebriated, knocks a couple teeth out of an att a flight attendant. Jesus. Can the flight attendant sue? What? Again, we're going into like someone's profession and realm, which is different than, I guess, every day on the street. But when this happens on an airplane, we've seen like road rage on airplanes. I assume the flight attendant has every right that you and I and everyone else has if we're just in a, you know, in a, in a Smith somewhere. 
Yeah, so uh, she has a case against a guy that hit her, or the lady, in fact, well, lady, not exactly, a woman uh, that hit her, uh, and she, you know, she probably has a, a workers' comp claim as well, you know, because her injuries arose in the course and scope of employment, which is which is sad. I think the better part of the story is now that the airlines are, are thinking the solution is to serve no alcohol, but this happened on an airline. Southwest hasn't been serving booze since the pandemic broke out. Um, I, I just, that's people, the problem. that's maybe the problem. Uh, people, people may need to just, uh, have a, you know, have, a, have a highball and, and chill out. I think this sounds like some argument during prohibition of like, listen, all these people are uptight. You need to just let them drink some more. Oh, exactly. All those, if you go to the mob museum here in Vegas and they, they have all the prohibition signs, all the, like the, the pro prohibition arguments, great stuff in there. So wait, would they ban alcohol entirely or just from selling it to you or giving? Like, could you bring your own alcohol on? Oh, that's a federal back to, you know, back to Jared's greatest hits uh, that um, that you can't do and that you can get you can end up uh, facing criminal charges. Yeah, you cannot no, they, bring your own alcohol. And if you do, yeah. you can't open it. That's what that was. Yeah, rules. that that has become the Southwest uh, uh, mantra that I hear too often is. You can open it up. And nowadays with COVID, I'm sure you guys know this, you don't even speak on a Southwest plane. You put up one finger for Coke, two for Diet Coke, three for seven up, four water. There's not even conversations anymore with flight attendants. And, and you know, at least you, when you go one for uh, one for Coke, don't give them the wrong finger. But, I mean, it's, it's very strange now on flight, Sam and Ash, where there's not even communication. Never mind, they're not serving alcohol anymore. So, I mean, I'm a I'm – a f- Frequent, frequent, frequent flyer on Southwest. I love Southwest, actually. Um, but it's just weird right now in the pandemic. Um, apparently, the federal mask mandate staying around till September is what I'm hearing. And I think, mm-hmm. and I think, look, I think masks are making people angry. We're not seeing each other's faces. We're just getting herded onto these planes, you know, masked up, and everybody's, you know, still there's fear out there, and and it's and and then the airports they're adjusting to more travel and. And things are going wrong. So I think people are just very, um, I don't know. I think people are on edge right now. And, 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 and everyone just needs to calm down. Don't hit the flight attendant. Bad idea. Uh, don't hit other people on the plane and leave your baseball bats at home. Jared, you get all that? Take, take <laughs> I just, okay, hold on. Why do they sell <laughs> alcohol in the duty-free shop then? That's uh, that's my only question. Well, you can no, you can buy it and you can put it on the plane. You just I can't am not gonna it. buy it without well, drinking it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. And Southwest does have international flights that would qualify for duty-free. Yeah. You know, and uh, but it yeah, they, you just can't open it on the plane. You can't you can't pour. You know, just gotta keep it stowed. Hip flask, got it. Yeah. You can also go to Hawaii, and the prices are good right now. I've already checked them. Follow them on Twitter at Sam and Ash Law. Best in the business, 702-820-1234. Nobody better in town if you need personal injury attorneys. Get to them now. Sam and Ash Law on Twitter, 702-820-1234. Thank you, guys. Uh, I'll try to get home from uh, safely from Denver. We're not driving, yeah. thank God. I'll be on Southwest, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. All right. Love it. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks, get guys. Thanks. Take care. Sam and Ash Law. Uh, on Twitter, so there you go. Uh, yeah, it's I put up I put up the two fingers. I got the Diet Coke. I'm putting two fingers up to people. It's very odd. I mean, as long as you're not doing it in the British way. <laughs> I don't know what the British way is, but I am fascinated I that there is a uh, a hand signal to get your drink from yes. the flight attendants. Now. Yeah, this is phenomenal. It's All right, very weird. Ed, are you gone now? 
Yes, and I'm very upset oh. because you're going to rip. To, you're going to rip for Canada to, Fernando Tatis. Why button. don't we? Why don't we just pretend that you're here and you're muted? Yes, yes. Jared, <laughs> you play me. Do role playing. You play me. All right. Coming up next, it's Bischoff's briefs and how great Fernando Tatis is, even though Ed's not here to cry about it. Ed's got way too much faith in me. Call Sam at Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Bischoff's Briefs. You know what happened last month without anybody noticing? This is for real. Webster's Dictionary expanded the definition of the word literally to include the way it's commonly misused. brief. So the thing is, we no longer have a word in the English language that means literally. It literally doesn't have a synonym. Bischoff's Briefs. So we're going to have to find the Latin word for it and use it. But see, I don't know any Latin. Bischoff's Briefs. So when I say that I am literally going to set fire to this building with you in it, you don't know if I'm speaking figuratively or literally. So today's Bischoff's Briefs, Ed ran away from. He's in Colorado, so he can use the fake excuse of, oh, got to go cover Golden Knights morning skate, something like that. But when he found out that Bischoff's Briefs was going to be about Fernando Tatis today, he ran. He said he had to leave early. Couldn't be here for the 930 part of the show. So should I do it today or should I try to save it and just spring it on him on Friday when he's finally Honestly, back? I would... Can so take pe- to take people behind the curtain. Ed contributes to the rundown via Twitter and text messages and phone calls. Tyler puts together the rundown in almost its entirety because all the links I sent him he doesn't like. So you could put whatever you want as the Bischoff's briefs and then just go. And we're talking about Fernando Tatis. Yeah, and it would be. He would have no idea. He's not even listening now. We know. I know for a well, fact. Of course he is. he's not. He's in Colorado. He doesn't, he doesn't listen to the station when he's here, let alone when he's in a different state. I mean, I, I would like to think he has it on in his car when he's driving in or driving out. But all right, yes. So I would say save it, and uh, I would. I have several questions about. Uh, Bryce Hamilton, that I think you might have information on, or even better, I read this really interesting piece on the offensive.vegas about uh, whether or not A-Rod wants to move the team to Seattle. But if you want to do Fernando Tatis, absolutely do Fernando Tatis. Because I I love Fernando Tatis. All right, I'm going to ask you this one question on Fernando Tatis. He is on pace right now. Jeff Passan, by the way, wrote a story and mentioned this. He is on pace right now to hit 40 home runs and steal 40 bases. Who was the last player to hit 40 home runs and steal 40 bases in the same season? Good God, I want to say Barry Bonds. He is one of the four people that have done it, but he is not the last. Then I can't think of anybody. Um, The other three to do it, Jose Canseco has done it. (laughs) Alex Rodriguez has done it. But the last person to hit 40 homers and steal 40 bases in the same season... Alfonso Soriano. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So those are the four players that have done it. Uh, Tatis. Jeff Passon's story said Tatis was on pace to hit 59 home runs and steal 44 bases. And 
what the briefs was going to be more about today was that Tatis is on pace to be close to be the first guy ever to hit 50 homers and steal 50 bases in a season. Which, it's, granted, he's not okay. on pace for it, but you steal a few more bases and you can get there. I know this isn't very Bischoff's briefsy as far as, like, because I'm just going off my eye test. That dude wants second anytime he's on first. And it yeah. is, well, it's it's one of the things that, as a weird baseball fan, I love. I miss stealing like I miss bunting. I know that they are both bad things that they shouldn't do, but it's part of the game that I'm like, oh my God, he's stealing second. What a crazy person. Yeah. It's, it is, um, it's one of the parts of baseball that's been killed by analytics and I don't miss bunting. I'm perfectly fine with bunting being killed by analytics because it's stupid. You're giving up and out. But oh no, th- dude! There's, dude, someone, there's very... if someone legs out a bunt, I I yes. genuinely I still fist okay. pump. Bunting for a hit is not bad analytics. Well, it's not great, but it's not bad analytics. Sacrificing, intentionally no. sacrificing, is stupid. Yes, and nobody should ever do it. Like bunting for a hit, like Joey Gallo, he bunted for a hit against the shift one time. That's that's perfectly fine. That's that's okay. They don't have anybody on that side of the field. Sure, drop down a bunt, you get a free hit. I just don't understand why Rajay Davis literally just, like, plop the ball down. You're faster than anyone will throw it. Yeah. But with stolen bases, the problem is, is that, like, analytically it's been proven that I think it's 80% is the number. You've got to be successful 80% of the time when you steal second for it to be worthwhile over the course of the season. Like, the, the, the runs produced by your team if you only accomplish a stolen base 75% of the time, you are hurting your team more than you are helping it, especially nowadays because guys hit more home runs because we've become more of a home run or nothing sport. If you're just standing on first base and a guy hits a home run, it doesn't matter if you're on first, second, or third, you're scoring anyway. So I think the number is 80%. You've got to be stealing it above 80% of the time or successful 80% of the time for it to be a benefit to your team. Otherwise, you're hurting your team's run scored over the course of a season. Ricky Henderson, arguably the best base, well, not arguably, Jesus, he was the best base stealer of all time, 81%. Yeah, that's... You have to be almost Ricky Henderson for it to be statistically, like, a good idea. Yeah, I'm looking here, (laughs) it is about 76% is the number. So... That's how that's what you have to be to for it to be like acceptable for you to steal bases. Otherwise, again, you're hurting your team. Now, there are situations where you you should want to steal a base, like if whatever, it late in late in games. Like there's times where I'm where you can be okay with sack bunting too. Like there's times where you'd be like, okay, like it's probably still not the greatest thing, but okay, you want to sack bunt to have a better chance to win the game because you're the home team and the winning run is on first or something and some bum is at the plate. That's fine. But like, for the most part, you should just never do it. Same with intentional walks. You should never intentionally walk somebody. Like, like the only time you should intentionally walk somebody is if Mike Trout's up and for some reason the pitcher is after him. But even the rest of the bums in the Angels lineup, you should never intentionally walk Mike Trout. He's going to round second. Yeah, probably. And, and there are some late-inning situations, like if the home team has the winning run on third you can walk the next two guys to put them on first and second because they literally do not matter. So, like, there's some situations where it's okay, but sack bunting, 
almost never do it. Intentionally walk, almost never do it. Stealing bases, only if you're like 80%. But I enjoy watching stolen bases, so I'm okay with teams doing that because it's not, uh, it might hurt your team. But yeah, if you can steal about 75%, go for it. Close enough. And that's, again, going back, wrapping it all back up. It's what I love about watching. Not only can he hit home runs, it's when he hits singles, he's like, I'm getting at least two out of this. And the Padres, I'd have to look it up, but I think they're first in the league in stolen bases, and it's like not close to the rest of the teams. Like, they do it. Yeah, like like, uh, the Astros, my favorite team, they don't ever try. They got one guy on the team that ever tries to steal bases, and he's five and nine, and I get mad every time he does. (laughs) He's supposed to be, he's only on the team because he's fast, and he still gets thrown out like half the time. He's fast, not a great base runner. No, not at all. He's <laughs> terrible. It's brutal. But, like, yeah, the Astros don't steal. And, like, the Astros have guys that are fast. They just, it's stupid to steal bases. Even Dusty Baker gets it. It's stupid to steal bases. Well, I mean, he also is like, well, I got this guy who, who might just hit a home right, run. Right, exactly. Then we get two runs. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an easy thing to figure out. Like, hey, if you get thrown well, okay, out. Okay, so, but if you're Mike Matheny. And you're, you've got this Royals team of just all wow. slap hitters. I mean, if you got to start, you, you yeah. got to start stealing something. Otherwise, you're never going to get anyone on third. Right? Yeah, yeah. If you're the Royals, like if you're like the Tigers right now or something like that, like one of these bad teams, yeah, go for it. The only way to get someone on third is if the Royals like some. If there's a fielding error, yeah, go for it. It'll be fun. But yeah, steal bases. Fernando Tatis keeps stealing. Just stop hitting home runs off the Astros bullpen. It's just mean just rude at that point like they're clearly not good enough you don't have to hit the home runs it's brutal all right that's it for Bischoff's briefs we will uh we'll sneak some Fernando Tatis and he got hurt last night that's the other problem he got he he got hurt last night that's and so I will say that that's one of the the hilarious things about baseball like a guy will like ooh, he's hurt and then I'm watching hockey and it's like that guy just got his hair torn out Oh, back on the ice. There is a, like, it's so fascinating, the sport of, like, like take baseball as an example. Like, the slightest injury can knock a guy out because you have to be so, like, technically sound to swing a bat and be successful, whereas in hockey, you can just sort of brute force your way through playing. It's like, yeah, my ankle's broken, but, like, I can still move. There's a, I can't remember who it was, but he played an entire playoff series with a torn MCL. Yeah, like, I can't wait to find out once the Golden Knights season is over, like, what like what the hell is Max Pacioretty <laughs> playing with right now? Like, what is he playing with? He's playing with something. <laughs> he missed a month. What's he playing with? Like, we're going to find out. Ah, Pacioretty's got to have surgery. He'll miss the start of next season because he broke seven bones or something. And it's like, oh, yeah, but he came back anyway. He's having a uh, disc removed from his back. All right. I don't know what we're doing in the next segment, but we do have to give away a Golden Knights hat, a two-foot sub from Porta Subs, and you'll be qualified to win a pair of tickets to see the Golden Knights and Avalanche on Sunday at T-Mobile Arena. So caller number 11 at 702-364-1100, 3641100. You will get a Golden Knights hat, a two foot sub from Porta Subs, and be qualified to win a pair of tickets to see the Golden Knights and Avalanche on Sunday. 702 364 1100. Caller number 11. Is Tyler a know it all? Can you prove him wrong? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702 720 4678.
Back to Galloway. Galloway driving over to the right side. Galloway gets the ball out on top to Torrey Craig. Now to Kaminsky. Kaminsky fakes, drives, takes it in. Score the layup. Frank Kaminsky gets the hoop. He's fouled on the way. It's the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. I'm not, not, I'm, I'm never going to pass up the opportunity to play a Frank Kaminsky highlight. Yeah, the Suns won a game last night with Frank <laughs> Kaminsky playing minutes, a uh, playoff game against LeBron James. Uh, congratulations to Phillip. He won the two-foot sub from Porta Subs, Golden Knights hat, and he is qualified to win tickets to Sunday's game against the Colorado Avalanche. We will uh, have that same exact giveaway tomorrow. So you can win the sub from Porta Subs, the Golden Knights hat, and you can be qualified to win tickets to the Golden Knights Avalanche game. Uh, so make sure you are listening tomorrow because we will do that again. Want to finish the show with uh, the soon-to-be Las Vegas A's and what they're feeding their minor league baseball players. Uh, so there was a tweet yesterday from the Twitter account that is uh, minor league baseball advocates. Basically they find injustices to minor league baseball players, which there tend to be a lot and tweet about it. So people that know about it, you get paid that big eight grand a year to play professional baseball. So uh, the San Francisco gate actually ended up doing a little bit more research and research into this and finding some more information. The tweet that was, that was sent out had two pictures of meals and the best way to describe this is like inedible meals. Uh, one is a picture of a supposed to be a sandwich. It is just two pieces of white bread with a piece of like craft cheese, one sad piece of lettuce, and one sad piece of tomato. That's the sandwich, and it looks like there's some coleslaw as a side. The other picture is... A taco, maybe, and there's a there's a tortilla involved. There's a tortilla. There's like two small pieces of chicken. Like we're talking like like chicken nugget size pieces of chicken, along with like three pieces of pepper and onion in a tortilla. And this is supposedly what minor league players in the Oakland A's organization were fed as meals. Now, since or this season, minor league teams are are feeding, or I should say the major league teams are f- responsible for feeding the minor league players a certain amount of times. And these are the meals that they have been fed with the A's. Um, Dave Cavill, who is the president of the A's, he tweeted yesterday that they have already corrected this, that they had seen this and corrected it. Um, but the San Francisco gate story said that these two pictures were not the same incident. These were two separate incidences on two separate teams. One will happen on May 18th. One happened on May 28th. So two different times, the A's have fed their minor leaguers the equivalent of like, I mean, that's not even like high school cafeteria level lunch. Like it's brutal. It's brutal what they would be eating there. And we're like, we're in this weird situation where Major League Baseball not only cut out like half of minor league baseball, they're not even like taking care of the minor leaguers they have. Because the other story we've had is the, the housing situation. Because normally minor leaguers, they'll do like, they'll, you know, go live with a host family in whatever minor league thing. Because you get called up and called down a bunch of times. You're not going to like buy places. It's hard to rent places in random cities. So like host families. literally stayed at the Red Yeah. Like host families will take on minor leaguers. The Houston Astros are, are, they've come out and they're paying for the, um, 
the housing of all their minor leaguers. The Baltimore Orioles have come out and anybody double A or under, I guess, screw you, triple A, but double A and under, they're paying for their housing. No other teams are doing that. Like these other teams or the other players are just like on their own for housing. And it's amazing that you have organizations this big. They can't figure out how to take care of like the five minor league teams they have now. Just spend some money on them for once.